The reality of the situation is, regardless of what we think goodness looks like, God is still good, even if that does not mean that what we see around us feels or looks good. by one of the guests, or how God has inspired you, I would love to feature you on the podcast. Now, it does need to be three minutes or less, but I will be sure to tag you, your businesses, and all the good things that you have going on. So go on and head over to Instagram. I am at Candid Live. Today, we're going to go on and jump into the conversation because my guest today has quite a bit to share with us, and this is an incredibly important conversation that we need to have. We are talking about goodness, and I don't know about you, but I actually use this word quite a bit within my language every day, and because of that, I have to admit I've been a little desensitized to how God's goodness resonates in my mind and is reflected in my life. Our culture today would lead us to question God's goodness in ever-increasing ways every day. And if we are going to walk out this part of the fruit, we need to know that this word is directly translated from the Greek word agathosune. And it literally means to be upright in your heart. Now, we don't talk that way anymore, so that uprightness means to be honorable or to have integrity, and we've been turning back to integrity quite a bit. Why? Because each and every one of these parts complement one another. Y'all, if we're going to have integrity, we have to be undivided. And that means that we've got to choose to believe what God says. We've got to choose to believe that what he calls good is good. And what he calls evil is evil. And when we look at the culture, we can question that quite easily because the culture would lead us to believe that he is not good. And it is not good to follow him. We're going to get into all of that today, and I am going to go on and introduce my guest because I don't want to take up 
any more time. My guest today is Dr. Quantrilla Ard, and she goes by Dr. Quani for short. I am so incredibly grateful to be connected to her. We are both a part of a group together called Entrusted Women, but we really got connected through Julian Alexis's conference called the Laundry Day Conference. I'm going to link Julian Alexis's website down below because this is one of those relationships that keeps blessing me as well. And I'm so grateful for her obedience. Julian Alexis, if you are out there, girl, I just want to say thank you. I love you. And and I am just so appreciative for your obedience and your leadership in our world. Y'all, I have to tell you about the PhD mom. Dr. Kwani is one of the most accomplished women I have the opportunity to connect with. And ah, I am excited about this conversation. She is a passionate creative at heart. She has answered the call to encourage women in all stages of life and of various backgrounds through empathy, transparency, and love. As a faith-based personal and spiritual development writer, Dr. Kwani is on a quest to shine a light on the shadowy, hidden places in her own life, as well as helping others to do the same. She has a multi- she has a multidisciplinary background in public health and health psychology, both professions that speak to her desire to prevent suffering at the physical and emotional levels. Dr. Kwani hopes that her work will ultimately deconstruct systemic and widespread racism in the medical field at large and specifically for Black and brown mamas and babies. She is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, and I'm going to link everything down below. We're going to get right into this conversation because I've been sharing with her that this is one of those subjects that I never expected to struggle with, and you may be right there with me. It's just the truth that our culture has begun to question everything that God calls good. And yet, if we are going to show that uprightness of heart that goodness really means, if we're going to show that integrity, we've got to be willing to have these conversations so that we can be undivided, so that we can be whole, so that we can know that he is good and those things that he calls good within his word will always be good. Amen. Let's go on and get into this conversation. Dr. Kwani, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just so thrilled to be here with you today, Liv. And I just, I'm glad to have a community where we, like you said, can get together and have these conversations and encourage each other because that, that's truly where I believe we find healing is in community. It's so true. It is mm -hmm. so true. And I just am so grateful for your time. So can you share a little bit about your background that may not be included in your bio and just what you do at this time? Sure. Um, so one thing I did not necessarily go into great depth with uh, in the bio is that 
uh, we are kind of recent transplants to Atlanta. So we were in Maryland for, we've been in Maryland, well, we were in Maryland for the past 12 years. And uh, we felt a, well, I won't say we felt a call. It, it was the Lord's doing and we obeyed. So our lives kind of just changed in an instant and all roads led to Atlanta. So we've been here uh, maybe about 16 or 17 months now. And uh, we are here being obedient, waiting on the promise. And um, let's see, what do I do now? I do a lot now. I feel like I always do a lot, but my, my life wouldn't be what it is if I didn't do a lot. So I am a homeschool mom. Uh, I love being home with my babies 24-7. Um, it is a joy that I didn't know I would like. So I'm grateful for that opportunity. And then I also uh, do uh, literary agenting. I enjoy helping shepherd people's stories into the world. So I love getting a chance to do that. I also um, do some public health work on the side and I love having conversations with people. So um, a lot of what you'll see on my social media is really conversations that I'm having with people. Um, about Black maternal health and Black infant health and um, grief and loss. You know, how do we walk through challenging seasons uh, with grace and, 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 you know, really depending on God through those times. So I, I have my hands in a lot of pots and, and I'm okay with it. Yes, yes. He's gifted you in so many ways. And it's so just it's so inspiring to see you walking in those giftings you know i believe it gives those that are still exploring those giftings and i know you are as well but it's it gives those of us who are still beginning to explore those giftings the permission as well right. so i i am so grateful for your presence on social media i love following you oh, y'all this is one of my favorite content creators so, yes. So when you think of God's goodness, what comes to mind? Oh, man, I, I think of the fact that I probably have a different idea of what his goodness is than what actually is his goodness. Um, I, I had this saying that uh, God is good. And he does good, even when it doesn't feel good. And that is something that I keep replaying in my mind over and over and over, because sometimes we can confuse God's goodness with blessings, right? So if God is good, then we expect blessings to be attached to those things. And that's not how that works. You know, there's that conversation that's like, oh, the, the commercial on TV where the little old ladies are trying to figure out how to do Facebook or YouTube or something. And the lady's like, that's not how any of this works. And that is exactly how I feel. We confuse God's goodness with the fact that everything should also be good in our lives. So the reality of the situation is, regardless of what, we think goodness looks like God is still good, even if that does not mean that what we see around us feels or looks good, right? 
goodness is an inherent part of, of God's character. But we use that word simultaneously with prosperity, or we use that with happy times. And, and that's not, it doesn't equate, right? So we can't say that God is not good. His character is not good because of the circumstances we may find ourselves in. Because again, he is good. He does good, even if it doesn't feel good. That's his character. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there have been so many times I'm sure you've found as well that I've prayed for one thing and didn't get it and was heartbroken in the moment. But given time, I was so grateful that I didn't get that one thing. And so I just appreciate how you framed that and how you shared that God's goodness is not contingent upon what we would call blessings, because sometimes the blessing is the fact that he withheld mm. the thing that we were praying for and asking about. So, so that, true. That's so, so, true. Uh, so what kinds of things have led you to question God's goodness? Oof. Um, quite a few things, honestly. Um, I mentioned earlier that I talk about grief and loss um, because it is such a huge part of my story. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever wanted to be the one that talked about it all the time, but because it is such a part of my story, I feel like I would be doing God a disservice um, and, and the people I love and the people he's allowed me to have influence over a disservice if I did not talk about grief and loss uh, in, in the framework of God's goodness. Um, I have questioned uh, God's goodness watching my mother die, right? I, uh, I question why a woman who was so full of faith, who you know was relatively healthy, was extremely young, um, had to suffer in the manner that she did. And it didn't end in this grand, story of healing and restoration, it ended with him laying her to sleep. And of course I question his goodness because I'm thinking to myself, what a waste. You know, I'm thinking, why, why would you allow her to suffer and then take her from us? You know, we're, I'm like, I still need her. Um, I had just graduated from college. You know, I was a, a baby adult. You know, I, I had my whole life ahead of me. So I figured, well, I still need her. You know, I, I don't understand this. And so I questioned God's goodness because I just thought maybe he made a mistake. Like this was one that you didn't get right, Jesus. But as time wore on and I allowed myself to soften toward him because it was a journey. It was a journey. I'm not even gonna lie. It was a journey. Um, I was able to catch glimpses of his goodness, even in the time that I had with her. I was able to see his goodness in how she mothered me. I was able to see his goodness in how she interacted with other people and her family members. I was able to see her goodness in how she worshiped and how she praised God. Uh, she was a singer. I was always able to see God's goodness when she opened her mouth to sing. And even in her absence, I began to see God's goodness in how uh, he didn't allow her to continue to suffer. 
I was able to see his goodness in how it it forced me to not rely on her faith, but develop one of my own. I was able to see his goodness in how he recreated me into a new person, even after experiencing such a devastating loss. So all of those things, even though I questioned his goodness, he still allowed me to see his hand in all of those things, in that grief and in that loss. His goodness manifested itself as a rebirth and a rebuilding of who I was as a woman. Wow. Wow. That is real perspective there. I'm sorry for your loss, and I thank you for sharing it with us. Um, You mentioned that over time, there was a softening that occurred, and you were able to see uh, just, you know, how he was good and how he is good in spite of the pain that you endured and encountered. And I I think that that is something that we as Christians even need to continually pursue, that softening of our hearts because it's so easy to have a hardened heart today. I mean, cancel culture is raining. It is wild. So as we kind of switched um, a little bit here, (sighs) my question would be, how do you show goodness to others, even when it's hard to find something good in them? Mm. And simultaneously, maybe when you're struggling to see the goodness in life altogether, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think it's a lot easier to mm, have hard times and see see um, things within people that we dislike and that we don't want to put up with or tolerate when we're in pain. So how would you show goodness to others, even when it's hard to find something in them, whether we're in pain and questioning God's goodness or not? That is a a loaded question (laughs) because our first instinct is to bristle. Our first instinct is to react. Our first instinct is to pay back what we've been given, right? Um, I have learned over the course of time through my own pain that the people who are seemingly very difficult to get along with or very difficult to love or very difficult to show goodness and grace to are people who are stuck in the process of seeing God's goodness. When you have had goodness poured upon you, poured within you, it has no other choice but to come back out. And Sometimes people are stuck in the process because the pain of what they've experienced uh, tends to outweigh the goodness that can be seen. And, and in, it, sometimes as Christians, we use the, the phrase that, oh, all of my pain has a purpose, right? And, and I believe that to a certain extent, but I don't believe that God just goes around giving people pain to produce purpose, right? That would be not good of God, right? So does God allow pain? Yes. Does 
pain come and, and do we have to deal with it? Yes. But I believe that God will use whatever he has to use, right? Not that he intentionally causes pain, but can he use that pain for a purpose? Sure. But I don't believe that God is out there passing out pain like people, you know, pass out checks. No. So people who are, are difficult, right, to be around or people who are difficult to love, typically they are in a space where they have not, there's still this cognitive dissonance in their mind that God can be good and life can be hard. So because they can't, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They can't uh, rectify that in their minds. Uh, they then project their feelings on others, right? So then we are called as Christians. I mean, I, you know, I can't speak for anyone else, but if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right, then you have to follow in his footsteps. And that means doing hard things, right? Like loving people who are unlovable. And unlovable meaning they present themselves as unlovable because we know that there is no one that is unlovable, right? It means that you dig deep and out of the goodness that you have received, you give them some of that because you honestly may be the only good they get to experience on this earth. So if you miss your assignment to be good, then maybe they never get a chance to move past where they are. And listen, that is easier said than done. I know it, I've experienced it, but it doesn't make it any less important for us to try. Now there are some times where God is like, listen, You've done what you can. You have now been released from that assignment. But until God releases you from that assignment, you are charged to do and to be what Christ would for them. Um, pray hard because there are people sometimes who are very adamant about being difficult, right? It's like they are trying to win some kind of trophy or, or something. Um, but honestly, it's, it's like that phrase that says hurt people, hurt people. Um, people who don't understand that goodness and can't really sink their teeth into it are, are unable to, to give goodness to other people. And sometimes they're unable to receive it as well, but that doesn't mean that we're released from trying. Absolutely. I was reminded of the scripture that tells us that we are living epistles, you know, mm -hmm. and I believe it's the new living, living translation that says that we're the only letter of recommendation that some will ever read. And uh, uh, that is good. That is good because it helps to reframe this, especially mm -hmm. as, as Christians, we're held up to a different standard. Mm -hmm. Everyone doesn't um, believe in what we believe in. Unfortunately, fewer people every day profess Christ. And so we, we have to be willing to press in and pray um, so that we can show his goodness in this world. Thank mm -hmm. you. You know, I cannot get past the fact that you shared you had to go through a process of softening and just ask God to soften your heart and all of that. Can you, can you bring us into that? Can you teach us 
what it takes to invite God to soften that or even how he softened your heart over time, what kind of process you went through? Ooh, it looked like a lot of crying. It looked like even some acting out, like, you know, when you're not sure what to do, you just do anything, right? Because you're trying to fill a void. You're trying to uh, make yourself feel better. You know, you're, you're utilizing coping skills. And sometimes we don't all have good coping skills. So you're trying to establish some sense of normalcy after this huge loss. And it doesn't always look pretty, but at some point you have to decide, do I want to continue feeling this way? Or am I going to accept? And here's the thing, God is always uh, drawing us to himself. He's always uh, giving us opportunity to come to him. And it is up to us to choose to accept the invitation, right? And so God doesn't force himself on us. So that's what I mean by the softening, the process, because honestly, I had to learn how to trust God all over again, because I was like, well, God, if I can't trust you to answer this prayer and keep my mother alive, then what can I trust you with? But in my head, I had to remember again, that God's goodness is not contingent on an answer to a prayer that in my finite mind, I only see the here and now. I have no idea what the years held for her. I have no idea what plans God had for our family or for those who knew her based on that short amount of time that we had with her. So recognizing that there was something that God knew that I didn't and that that involved me surrendering some of my pain just so I could get back to some sense of normalcy because you can't do it in your own strength. And that, I think that step-by-step surrender helped me to soften Because again, he's always drawing us, always drawing us, but we have to decide. We have to surrender. And so while that may look like uh, one sentence prayers, that may look like, you know, just being honest with yourself and honest with God. Listen, Lord, I am in the throes of grief. I mean, even to the point of depression, like be honest because God already knows what you feel. He already knows what's in your heart anyway. It's just about establishing relationship. So being honest with yourself, being honest with God and saying, look, I'm having a hard time with this. If you want me to have a relationship with you, Lord, then you're going to have to work with me. You're going to have to show me step by step, soften the places of my heart that pain has hardened. And it, it is the work of a lifetime. Because sometimes you don't just deal with grief in a linear fashion. You have that initial shock, the acute grief that hurts so bad that sometimes you just want to dig a hole and crawl into it. Then you have like uh, compounded grief where you're already grieving one thing, then something else comes on top of that grief and you're like, oh, multiplied grief. And then you have the anticipatory grief 
where you know something's coming and you're grieving it before it happens. And these are all things that are kind of tied up and tangled up together. And God is like, I understand. It's okay. You know, you don't have to perform at this level. You don't have to, uh, grief doesn't have to look a certain way, right? And God is like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be here. So we're going to keep walking through this together. As long as you're willing to surrender, we're going to keep walking through this together until your heart becomes softened toward God and he can really come in and heal your heart. And healing, again, is not linear, just like grief is not linear. Sometimes you have to cycle through it more than once. Sometimes you have triggers that bring your grief up again. Then you got to start the process all over again. But the, the, the most important part is that you make a decision and then you actively or intentionally decide to surrender. And bit by bit, moment by moment, day by day, you don't necessarily recognize it happening, but then you're like, oh, okay. I feel the Holy Spirit working with me. I hear him speaking to me. And then you can look back and you're like, well, that wasn't happening three months ago. So you know that you're kind of making your way through it. Wow. My goodness, y'all. My goodness. I love podcasts because you can go back and replay them as often as you need. That's right. That was just so full. I mean, I have to admit, I read a lot, although I do not have a background in psychology. Every one of my best friends does. (laughs) I had not ever heard about the different forms of grief and that it's not necessarily, um, you know, walked through in a linear fashion. That that mm-hmm. sense of anticipatory grief is something that you now have given me language for, and you've helped me to even find God's grace in new ways because I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> um, ah, my goodness, it takes a lifetime, y'all. It takes a life time. And so sometimes in order to embrace God's goodness, we have to be willing to be patient with ourselves. There can often feel like a desire to rush past the grief but if you let him walk through it with you, your relationship will grow more deeply. I've not ever heard about this, um, these different types of grief that you just shared. Is there a particular book that you might recommend, or is there anything that you yourself have written on this? Oh my goodness. Um, I've I've written blogs. I've written, um, you know, my own personal things and journeys that I've walked through. Um, some of it is just, you know, language I've learned. I I actually have a a doctorate in health psychology. So some of it is language that I've learned, you know, uh, in my program. And then um, things that I've read, like I I read, um, what's her name, Brene Brown a lot. And she talks about, you know, those different things, grief and loss and and shame, because sometimes shame is involved in the grieving process too, because you feel like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like this or, you know, I, I, I don't have time enough to grieve. So, and then there's one book uh, that I really like, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. 
And it really talks about the importance of the connection between our minds and our bodies and how that grief and trauma can really impact us. It's a psychological phenomenon, but it impacts us physically. And so, you know, when you have unresolved grief or loss and not resolved, like it's going to neatly tie up in a bow, but when you don't deal with it, it becomes a burden. It becomes a uh, monster as, as opposed to walking through something um, and, and processing it where it does not completely control your life. Because you do eventually, I, I believe healthy grieving, you do get to a point where you don't, um, it doesn't control you. It doesn't um, take over your life, right? It's something you learn to live with. It's something you learn to um, just manage. You, 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 you think of it as a friend rather than a foe. So those are some of the, the resources. And I journal a lot too. Um, so, and I talk a lot about it on social media, like, especially now, um, I felt this call to talk about grief and loss and what it looks like to grieve well. All right. I will link those resources down below and we're going to hold each other accountable. Y'all let me know, tag us with a picture of your book <laughs> or yeah. reading. Dr. Kwani's blog so that we can just encourage each other to get healthier in every way. I think um, a friend of mine recently pointed out how unhealthy it is to fail to acknowledge those feelings of pain. And so for me, I like to, you know, be positive and act like it's not there. And she actually asked me, you know, is it because you've experienced depression so severely in your young adulthood that you run as fast as you can in the opposite direction? And I had to sit with that question because I'd never been asked that before. <laughs> Um, but it has really caused me to check some things and to ensure that I am addressing some of the grief, even in transition. I'm in a transitional period and it is not easy. And so, I feel like my goodness. Oh. <laughs> it is painful. So y'all. Let us know. Let us know. Tag us on Instagram, Facebook, all the things. You know, there was just so much that you shared there. And I'm literally going to replay this over and take a few notes because this is quite obviously something I've needed, but I didn't know I needed. But my question for you is that, um, you know, cult cancel culture is reigning and that and it's truly affecting the church in more ways than one. I have not only noticed that non-Christians are canceling Christians and, the, and, you know, Christianity as a whole, but even those of us within the church have now begun to adopt a lot of cultural trends within our faith and, you know, chosen to pick and choose whether we believe God is good and what we believe he, uh, in what areas we believe he is good. And so I just like to ask you, 
So what would you say to the listener who has begun to question God's goodness and how even more can we encourage the culture to turn to Christ instead of allowing the uh, culture to turn us against him? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, you know, a lot of what we believe about God is taught. Um, and until we get to the point where we experience it for ourselves, we're going to have a lot of that struggle, a lot of that tension. Um, I would encourage someone who is questioning if God is good to look back, right? We always say hindsight is 2020. And that, and that, that means something, right? So that means that you can look back and see things with a much clearer perspective than presently or looking toward the future. So I would encourage them to look back and see if they can't find or mark ways that God has been good in their lives. And, and you know, think outside the box, like not just, oh, he woke me up this morning, right? Now that in and of itself is good, right? We know that's good, but push yourself, challenge yourself to really look for uh, specific ways that God has been good in your life or in the lives of your family members or in the lives of your friends. And the thing is, God is not a respecter of persons. We know that. And we know that if God is good to those around us, he's also good to us too. And, and, if we have not taken the time to really look back, then that will inform how we see him going forward. So, you know, look back, challenge yourself to really identify specific areas where God has been good to you. And again, you know, non-traditional ways, traditional ways, these are things that will help bring to your mind the goodness of God even if you don't necessarily say, well, this is happening right now, or this doesn't feel good right now. Um, look back, you know, there's a song that says count your blessings, right? And again, we're not necessarily linking God's goodness to blessings, but blessings are like milestone markers, right? They're, um, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, they had these stones of remembrance, right? So they could always go back and say, this is what God did for us. They could tell their children, this is what God did for us. And these are the same things that we, we can practice in our everyday lives to do the same. Looking back, finding those, those Ebenezers, finding those milestone markers where God did something that we know, you know, was only him. And how that shapes and, 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 and molds our idea of God and his goodness. And, you know, there are people that will probably say, well, there's nothing good in my life, right? There's nothing that has ever happened good for me. And while I can relate to people who are walking through hard seasons, I don't know if I can necessarily relate to someone who's had a extended heart season, right? Like you can't find anything good in your life. That I think is a different type of situation that, that may call for you to actually find someone who is trained to help you walk back, right? 
safely, right? Because sometimes there is trauma in our past. Sometimes there are really dark days in our past and we don't want to walk back through those memories alone. So I would suggest for someone who would say, well, I can't find anything good. I would definitely say, reach out to a trained professional that can help you go back and recount something that was good, something that was good. Because for me, looking back, again, will inform how you see God going forward. And the Bible, I mean, I know it sounds really, you know, just cliche, but there's nothing more powerful than the physical, literal word of God. And if you're having a problem looking back to find how he was good to you, get that Bible crack it open and see how he was good to those people, you know, because again, the same God that was good to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that is good to us now. He doesn't change. His character has not changed. Nothing about who God is has changed. So if you need some encouragement from other people's stories, that's okay too. But what I encourage you to do is definitely look for those ways, mark those ways where you can see God's goodness. Because if you look for them, you'll find them. So good. So good. And that reminds me of a conversation that I had the honor of having um, with the founder of Loved and Blessed, Jamila Jackson. We also talked about those stones. So y'all, these conversations complement each other. And I just appreciate how Holy Spirit just speaks through each of you guys, because when we need that remembrance, it's like, (laughs) here it is again, sis. You might not have done it last time, but you have another reminder to do it now. And it's just, it's so powerful. I'd like to know, is there a favorite verse, um, chapter in the Bible or book that you enjoy to help you just navigate those seasons when you question God or when you're even looking to encourage culture that he is a good, good God. Yes, yes. Um, like you, I am walking through, uh, my family and I are walking through a very difficult season. Um, the move was very hard on us and, um, you know, we still feel a little displaced, right? So what I did was I took sticky notes and I wrote out all of my favorite scriptures, um, specifically the ones that I felt God was giving to us for this season. And I put them, <laughs> I have a whole bunch of sticky notes on, let me see if I can show you. You see that right there? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Those are all my sticky notes for yeah. all of the verses that have really held us together that have brought us through and y'all they are all scriptures about god's goodness i mean yeah (laughs) and um you know they're they're about help they're about faithfulness and to me these are all facets of god's goodness you know how He will help you in times of need. He will be faithful to you in times of need. These are all tenets of God's goodness. And so um, that's one thing I did. I did the little scripture wall. And um, I would have to say probably my favorite, 
Oh, and I didn't understand it when my mom tried to get me to memorize this verse when I was younger, but um, it is the one that talks about our light affliction, which is for a moment prepares for us an exceeding and eternal weight and glory. And I said, I'm sorry, what now? But boy, do I understand that thing now. Because if we can just imagine that the hard things that we're going through, they are very difficult. But if we can just imagine them as light affliction compared to the eternal weight and glory, the eternal uh, joy, the eternal rest, right? Like all these things we're going through are like little tiny preparations. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Lord, if this is a little tiny preparation, then that weight of glory must be absolutely fantastic because, because this is hard, this is difficult. But it helps me to remember to put things into perspective because uh, these things are hard. You know, I do not want to dismiss it. I do not want to diminish it in any way because these things are hard. In my physical human body, these things are hard. Uh, but I know that what, what I'm working through now, the relationship that I'm building with God now, the belief that God is good now prepares me for that eternal weight of glory. Mm momentary and light afflictions. As you were even quoting that verse, I began to think about high school and how in the time it feels as if high school is everything and it feels as if we are never going to graduate and everything that we go through in high school is going to last a lifetime. And there were some hard things that some of us walked through, you know? I have a story of anorexia and suicidal ideas and uh, bullying and drunkenness, alcoholism, all of that that I just developed during that time period. Ooh, but y'all, high school <laughs> was four years. And now that I'm grown, I think, wow, you know, and now that I talk to high schoolers and encourage them that baby girl, it is going to get better. Yeah. I'm just, I am astounded <laughs> by how little the uh, things that I cared about at that time matter in the grand scheme now, you mm. know? So it's just, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And that is really encouraging. I, I look to James two and two through four, for some comfort a lot of times, but lately my verse has been, or my chapter in the Bible rather, has been Revelation 20. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I just have to remind the enemy it was going to happen to him. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, you know, I just read that thing through my house and we, we keep going. So I thank you. I thank you for that. You're so welcome. You know, this is just a question that I personally have. Y'all already know, I've said this so many times before, although I'm an ordained minister, although I have biblical training that has lasted four years, I never really spent a lot of time 
researching and learning about the fruit of the spirit. So I always thought humility was one of the parts of the fruit. And we could argue that, you know, meekness, goodness, they translate as humility. But when you really get into the Greek, they don't. So um, I threw this last question in here just because I want to know. Connect, but you know, God teaches us that it is good to esteem others more highly than ourselves. So that is something that we've been talking about, even in this subject on goodness and how hard it can be to love others when you have trouble seeing the goodness in them. But once again, I just want I just wanted to ask Dr. Kwan this. <laughs> I, I said it, I'll say it again. You're one of the most accomplished women I have the opportunity to connect with. And you are also one of the most humble that I've had the opportunity to interact with as well, especially in this social media driven culture where we're told to, you know, like put ourselves on and tell everybody, you know, about ourselves and who we are and all the things we've done. And there's a time for that. So mm -hmm. I don't take away from that, but I would like to know what would you say is the harmony between humility and confidence as we look to esteem others more highly than ourselves? Oh goodness. That is such a good question. I think that balance is always turning people toward Jesus. That's the balance. Because what God can do for your character and reputation cannot be compared to any trick or any gimmick or any, you know, whatever you can do for yourself. No promo, no PR, nothing you can do for yourself will outweigh God speaking on behalf of your character and God boosting you. And I have experienced that personally. And it, it makes it easy to be humble when you recognize that God is the source of any good thing that happens to you. Any good thing about you, any good thing that you could possibly imagine or do or be involved in, he is the source. So the balance for me comes when someone says, oh, I love that or good job. I'll be like, praise God. That's my, that's always my response because it keeps me in the right posture to remember that I, of myself, there's no good thing, no good thing outside of God. So that helps me to remember it's all him. It's all him. Give the glory back to him. And I feel like if we can get to a point where not only do we say it, because we can say it all day, but we believe it and we live it out, that is the balance. That is the balance between showing up and, and, and using the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And Sometimes the applause that comes and sometimes not, right? Sometimes the recognition comes and sometimes not, but in all things and in all ways, bringing that glory back to who really deserves it. That's God. Ah, so good. Y'all heard it. In, <laughs> in me, there is no good thing. We have to be willing.
willing to 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 develop that posture. We oh, got yeah. to. We got to that. That was that was good. And this is coming. I mean, y'all, y'all, do do I need to run through the bio again? <laughs> this is coming from someone whom God is using mightily. Oh. She is out here teaching us. So let's lean into that. Uh, I have one last question. Sure, I understand. <laughs> it's simply, I've been asking everyone this. What? part of the nine part fruit of the spirit have you felt god challenging you to uh just yield more fully to him so that he may produce it in you more fully lately you know and this is something i guess i i don't know i've always admired uh people and and maybe this is because i don't think i necessarily possess it but I have always admired people who can be described as gentle. And, you know, I just feel like sometimes my life is so fast paced and, you know, I'm just constantly going from one thing to the next, but there's something peaceful and calming about a gentle spirit. And like, it's not loud. It's not, you know, doesn't draw attention to itself. But when you are around people that are gentle, you feel loved and cared for. And I have always admired that fruit of the spirit because I'm like, man, what is that like? You know, (laughs) I was like, I want to be a gentle spirit because sometimes in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to be gentle, but you know, sometimes the way my thoughts and my face is set up, I'm like, well, that went out the window. You know, I can control my mouth, but the face, I don't always control the face well. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm still working on gentleness, Lord. It's okay. But that is one thing I think I have always wanted is a gentle spirit and not just, you know, in some areas, but like in every area, but to be able to, even if you have to do something or say something that may not feel good, right. To still be able to do it in a way that is gentle. And I feel like, you know, Christ embodied that so well. He really embodied that so well, even when he had to get people told he was gentle with them. You know, people never felt accosted by Jesus and they never felt beat up by the gospel. So that that's the one thing I think I, I would definitely ask God to keep keep trying to work out in me. <laughs> oh, that's such an encouragement. It is it is also one that I admire in others as well. And he he's he, you know he said he would stay with us until that's he- right. <laughs> It's working us, so that's right. That's okay. right. We're gonna keep thanking him. <laughs> Thank you for your transparency there for sure. I'd like to ask if you would pray out and just you know pray for those who may be struggling with this part of the fruit of the spirit, um, goodness and even that we would just surrender so that God could soften our hearts in some of those ways. Absolutely. Sure thing. Let's pray. 
Father God, we are so grateful for this time we have together. Lord, I just thank you for my sister Liv, and I thank you for all of those who are listening, Lord, who are whose hearts are hungry to understand and to know about your goodness. Lord, I just pray that you would show them a tangible outpouring of your goodness, even now, Lord, as they listen. God, may they feel your goodness, God. And Lord, even if they are in a position where they don't necessarily feel your goodness, Lord, help them bring to their remembrance. Lord, help them to count the times when you have been good or to recount the times where they can mark where you've been good in the lives of others, Lord. We know that you love us all and that you are good to us all. So Lord, help us to remember those times. Bring those times back to our remembrance, Lord. And God, as we go through even hard seasons, Lord, help us to remember that you are good and that you do good even when it doesn't feel good. Lord, your goodness is who you are. And we are grateful for every moment, Lord, that your goodness is lavished upon us. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for keeping us. And may we give your name the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. <sighs> Wasn't that episode good? If you thought that any part of it touched your heart, I'd like to invite you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It would be such an honor to know what it is that touched your heart. Now, if you're looking for additional content, please look no further. You can find me on YouTube at Live Dooley and Instagram at Candid Live. I cannot wait to the next time we get together. Until then, know that you are loved.